podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, and my mate and his blue light glasses, James Jones. West Ham United are unbeaten in four matches after an excellent one-all draw at home to Chelsea at London Stadium on Saturday lunchtime. It follows another excellent one-all draw away at Newcastle the week before that. Those two come off the back of two 2-0 two victories over Derby County in the FA Cup and before that Everton at home in the league. It's just one defeat in 2023. The David Moyes revolution continues and we were really, really good value for the point against Chelsea on Saturday, I thought. James Jones. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was glad I couldn't be there, but thankfully it was on TV. So I didn't I, know you wouldn't or weren't or couldn't. Yeah, the gout, the gout hadn't cleared up in time oh, uh, no, still hasn't was, still going to get onto that mate i was going um, i wanted to start with football and go on we'll to get, personal we'll get, issues we'll get onto that in a minute but um, we will it was weird watching it at home um frustrating but yeah we were well worth the point um especially considering we could have been three nil down after about three minutes um yeah. because they just kept getting in behind our defense and luckily they kept getting caught offside but um yeah, well worth the point. Slow start, a little bit frustrating the first 20, 25 minutes, but got back into it. And um, yeah, really encouraging. Very positive. Yeah. Really Absolutely. nice. I thought, genuinely thought we were the better team for that. That Exactly that. First 20 minutes was a bit iffy. But after that, um, yeah, I thought, thought we were the better side. Could have won it if um, Declan Rice wasn't offside. At the end, uh, I hate to say as well, it's not something I normally do. I had a slightly different, or I sat in a different part of the ground uh, to the one I usually sit in on Saturday. And it was the sort of main, um, like the main side uh, where the tunnel is, when the, the dugouts and all that sort of thing, just to like the back right of the dugouts if you're looking at the pitch. So pretty close to the away fans, you know, not supersonic mm. close, um, but sort of closer than I've ever sat before um, at London Stadium, certainly, because I'm always in the opposite corner to you in the, um, <clears throat> as in, sorry, the, the the opposite end of the Billy Bond stand to you, where you're down the away end, away fans end, and I'm up in the other corner by the Bobby Moore end. And uh, I'm ashamed to say that when West Ham scored, and I don't know why I'm 31 years old, I don't know why I did it, but when West Ham scored what I thought was the winner, um, I, st- I know I did. Yeah, it was really bad. I just started like giving it these ones and waving at the Chelsea fans. Oh, Wee! No. And I never ever do. I never oh, do. I normally look around at all the other crown. I know it is, isn't it? It's really weird. But it was just, I mean, you know, they weren't exactly loud, were they, during the game? But yeah, they had a couple of songs. They'd had a couple of celebrating goals that weren't, and they were sort of giving it. There's a bit of to and fro between the fans. I don't know why. I don't honestly don't know what come over me. Like you're caught in a even moment. At, even at away games when you're really close to home fans, but by the very nature of it, if you score, I don't. I never gesture to the other fans. I just concentrate on my own team and singing and backing my team and all that sort of stuff. But I just, yeah, it just came. I just 
caught up with me, even though I there was a little bit in my mind that I had a feeling it might be offside as well. This sort of yeah. moderation wasn't as if I'd sent it was a last minute winner, but then nothing happened for a while VAR wise, and I thought oh, we're okay here. And yeah, loads of other people around me were sort of like waving and taunting and gesturing at the Chelsea fans, and I joined in. And then yeah, literally like two minutes later, I, I was just like sitting there trying to shrink into my seat when VAR <laughs> overturned the goal. I obviously didn't look back at the Chelsea fans even once after that. Um, so yeah, that was a, a momentary um, abandonment of, of my maturity levels. But talking of uh, things associated with being old and being an adult, James, you've mentioned the gout already. Uh, many listeners, I understand, getting in touch with you between last week's show and this. Um, give us all an update for those who haven't been in your DMs. Uh, well, the update is that I've still got gout. Um, oh, well, no one knew that it was definitely gout last week, mate. Well, yeah, I suppose that's right. You've had an official to, diagnosis. So the day after the day after we recorded last week's episode, I went to hospital. Couldn't get a GP appointment, so I was like, right, A and E it is. Walked into A and E, they went, they were like seven hour wait, mate, and I was just like, I'm not sitting here for seven hours. Um, <laughs> not, so, not with my gout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, do, do you know how painful gout is? Mm. Um, and they and they were Blokes like, are being wheeled past you having heart attacks. And yeah, like... yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I hadn't been in an A and E room for God knows how long, and it is incredibly mm. depressing. So sitting there for seven hours would have been awful. Hmm. thankfully they were they were like oh what's the problem so i told them they went oh you're better off going to the to the uh emergency a and e it's like urgent medical care and i was like they were like you get seen quicker there and i was like all right lovely where's that they went at the main hospital now barnet hospital the a and e section is a separate building a little bit further down the road right so i was like well, can someone give me a lift because i can barely walk and i've got a cab to the hospital Right. And they were like, nah. So it took me 20 minutes to hobble around where it would normally, if you could walk properly, probably about three minutes. Um, got there, was seen almost instantly by triage and had to wait about three hours for a proper one. And the doctor literally just looked at it and went, have you stubbed your toe? And I was like, no. He was like, no injuries oh, at all? And I was like, no. He went, you got gout then, mate. And I was like, well, yeah, I could have told you that, but how do I get rid of it? Um, yeah, I'm here for treatment, mate. This yeah, is what... Yeah, and he just went, I'll give you a week's worth of naproxen. Um, and if that doesn't clear it up, then speak to your GP. And I was like, I tried to speak to my GP this morning. I couldn't get through, naturally. Mm. And he was like, "He was like, this is all we can do for you, mate. That's all we can do. I was like, want to give me some blood tests? Naproxen is like a intense ibuprofen, anti-inflammatory, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I had to take three of those a day for a week. Um, slight improvement, but still pain. I've got a little bit of movement left in my toe, but um, yeah, still a little bit of pain. So um, yes, yesterday I finally got a GP appointment. Mm. GP was uh, flabbergasted. Word of word of the day that um, that uh, <laughs> the hospital didn't give me a blood test. Right. So because he's like, "What are your levels?" and I was like, "What do you mean? I don't know. What, what, what are you asking me?" And he was yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. "What are your blood levels?" I was like, "I don't know." Um, so then when that came to light, he was like, "I can't believe it." So had had to have that. Well, I'm having that done later this week to find out whether uh, they need to chop my foot off or not. Jesus. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not it's not good. But um, I want to no. I want to thank Darius who did DM me on Instagram after last week's show to uh, a mm. fellow sufferer of gout. Um, mm. we're, we're both both in the the gout uh, the gout sufferers association, which I'm setting up. 
and um, he gave me some good advice. Um, the GSA? The GSA, yeah. Yeah, not the GSE, but the GSA. Oh, the Greens for Elite, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, really, really helpful. I wanted to say thanks because it was very helpful. And he's, he's given me some, um, he gave me some links to some stuff that he's, he's used mm. to keep it at bay. And um, which I've ordered, I'm waiting for. Should arrive today. Absolutely buzzing about that. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm very, I'm close to recovery, but still in a little bit of pain. I can't, I can't walk, but I'm getting there. Football on Saturday. Well, I mean, I'm pleased to hear it. No, but it's all good. We're, um, yeah, we're on the mend. It's, the um, mend. it's just very frustrating. I just want my life back, mate. My bet, mate. My life back. Dispelled the myth as well that gout is uh, only for those of the elderly persuasion. I but mean, it's actually, no, a, you know, no, it's known as the rich man's disease. Yeah, it's just like if you just have uh, drink loads of red wine, pate, and cheese all the time, isn't it? Um, no, not necessarily cheese. Um, it's more like red, red, or not even red wine. Actually, it's just general alcohol, lots of red meat, um, mm. a ridiculous amount of protein, mm. um, which is what I've been doing. I've been eating a lot of protein because of my fitness thing mm. I'm doing. Um, was told to be on a high protein diet. Turns out that's given me gout. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, so it's not, it's not a lot of game meat and stuff like that, red meat. Um, mm. Not so much cheese. Apparently, uh, dairy protein is actually meant to be good for you. But oh, really? um, it's called the rich man's disease because a lot of very wealthy people had it in the olden days because they mm. obviously were, were shooting game and then eating it and getting very drunk and, and, and all it, of that. So, um, is that what you've yeah. been doing? Well, no, no. I mean, You've I have been, been shooting on. I have been shooting in the past, um, and I have been hunting in the past, but not, not recently. No. So, um, yeah, I don't really understand. Even the GP went, "Are you rich?" And I was just like, "Absolutely not, mate." Mm. <laughs> so, He's probably um, saw your blue light glasses, mate. I thought they're I saw my blue light glasses. Man. Yeah, maybe we just put two and two together. When I was a gal mm. sufferer over there, that, that yeah, yeah. You obviously didn't wear that shirt to the doctors because he wouldn't ask you if you'd had that on. No, no, exactly. <laughs> you wouldn't ask no. if you're clean on today. I'm just saying, mate. I don't think uh, this I is my there's too, too many people that are members at Langham's in um or uh, Mabel's in Piccadilly. Uh, the people who actually go shooting all the time and actual rich men who get gout. I've, I've got many shirts like that. That's all I'm saying. No offense. <laughs> All right, let's talk about football, uh, shall we? On the show today, we've got an opposition review ahead of that massive game against Tottenham Hotspurs at Tottenham Hotspurs on Sunday. We have an opposition review for that later on. We'll look back at that Chelsea draw in more detail just now. I was down also at London Stadium on Monday for an open training session. Um, watched a few of the lads. Uh, training uh, after Saturday's game, bit of a warm down session at a Q&A with Moisey, which was excellent. Also spoke to Jared Bowen, Danny Ings and Flynn Downs as well as part of that event. Tony Gale, James Collins were there, which was great. Got a chance to meet a few of the players, um, which was a, a great day put on and, and some exciting, interesting bits of insight as well. Heard from Mark Warburton, the assistant manager. So I'll delve into that. A little bit later as well. And then you'll have some final thoughts from Jonesy and I. Usual sort of format. The one that you all seem to like, which is positive. Don't forget you can follow us on social media at Twitter. On Twitter, excuse 
me at we are underscore West Ham. Just search we are West Ham Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and of course YouTube, where you'll find our YouTube channel. Don't forget, we're in partnership at the moment with the guys over at West Ham Network. You can find them on YouTube as well, and you can buy us a beer if you see at buymeacoffee.com slash we are west ham the beers are a fiver each and the money goes straight to me and jonesy and we only ever spend it on equipment or guest fees to make the podcast better for you guys or over the bar when we're with each other in person on beers so that's buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. Without further ado, let's have a look back to that excellent one-all draw at London Stadium with Chelsea on Saturday, starting next. So, Jonesy, one-all, an awful first 20 minutes, or really good if depends what way you look at it. Actually, no, it's not really good depending on where you look at what I, I think what, where that comes from, what I have issue with is people in the stadium and you sort of said it just then, absolutely fuming at the defence and at West Ham in general for the first 20 minutes. Understandably, we didn't play very well. We seem to be letting Chelsea have too much of the ball, particularly in the middle. Uh, but absolute, you know, blind rage at the two offside goals that Chelsea scored. When my stance on it is, actually, if both goals were offside, isn't that that good defending? Just saying, oh, you let them get through so easily. Da, da, da. It's like, well, no, but part of football and good defending is holding a good line and catching teams offside, That which we've done two out of three times. All right, the one um, that does go in from Xiao Felix was a similar sort of brand of move or whatever to the, to the two that got disallowed. Albeit, I'm surprised the foul wasn't given against Jared Bowen in the build-up to that Xiao Felix goal that actually stood. But, yeah, I, I, I mean, it wasn't good to watch. And Chelsea were obviously better and we did start slowly. But the fury and the foaming at the mouth around me at the goals that were disallowed for offside, which is surely a sign of reasonably good defending, um, was, was baffling me a little bit. No, I, I, some people might see it as good defending. But only if they were like visibly trying to catch them offside. Like they weren't visibly trying to catch; them. they were just being caught out, and it was just mistiming of the run, which was led to the offsides. I think they were they were being caught out too often at the back. Um, like it, it wasn't like if you look at the replays, they weren't stepping in. Just as the players running through, just to try and I mean, Ogbonna, if you watch Ogbonna, he tries to do that quite a lot. Mm. But there was none of that in those um, all three of them really it was just a case of just not really knowing where the attacker was that's that's what it looked like from me on the TV and watching it from all angles it was um, yeah it wasn't I can't mm. say yeah that was good defending I think it was just really poor mm. um, and it surprises me that Chelsea didn't just continue doing that for the, like, the 90 minutes just go up, just gonna keep running because right. soon, because soon we will we will be on side more than once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, yeah. So so yeah, like, it did surprise me that in the end they just kind of stopped. Um, I mean, we tightened up a little bit, um, mm. got a little bit, little bit better in midfield, and we're winning balls back. But um, every time we did get the ball, um, we did drop a little bit deeper as well, which obviously helped. But we were playing quite a high line in that first twenty minutes, which allowed it. But 
yeah, um, not good defending for me. No, no. All right, fair enough. I don't. I okay. Yeah, fine. It did look. It was just like okay, lads. That's three things that have happened that are exactly the same now, and you know, no, no one's tracking the runs or or whatever it was. But yeah, maybe I was just being a little bit over kind to to my team there. One thing that did happen early on: Lucas Paqueta limped off, injured, and was replaced by Thomas Suchek, which is. You know, in, it's fair to say in recent times through Suchek's form and Paqueta's improving performances, to be fair, everyone was pretty head in hands about that. Oh, no, God, what a nightmare. But to be quite honest, I think that was sort of one of the, the early turning points to what ended up making us look better. Suchek played really well eventually when he came on. He won a lot more of the ball. Thought he put some decent tackles in, got himself about a bit more. It was one of his best games he's had for a while I think nothing spectacular to be fair but I, I thought he was okay and he didn't do any huge gaffes but it was around that time or a little bit further on I, I guess but we that we started to look better um disappointed to lose him but but all in all I, I, I don't think you know I don't think for for once uh, you can criticize Suchek no, there, there were a couple of things from Suchet which frustrated me. There was a couple of times we got caught in possession too easily. He kind of got on the ball and then froze a little bit and hmm. like Reese James come and nicks it off, nicks it off him. Or um, there was a couple of times just like, mate, you just got to either get the ball out your feet or, or just be stronger, like, like shield the ball and then decide what you're going to do with it. And you just got there's a couple of times I thought, mate, you're like you're six foot fifteen or whatever you are, like you're massive, like you shouldn't have like little Chelsea players coming up and just taking the ball off your feet and running away with it. Little, little Conor Gallagher. Yeah, it's just like, mate, just be stronger. But on the whole, it was a better performance than we're used to seeing from him of late. Um, hmm. And you're right, like Piquet goes off and you think, oh, here we go, because against Newcastle, I thought Piquet was very impressive. Obviously, he got his goal. Um, it just felt like him and Rice alongside each other was just beginning to build up a little bit of momentum, a little bit of um, promise. Um, so him to go off so soon was like, oh, you know, it's ridiculous. Like record signings out for another spell, um, but he didn't. Luckily, it didn't affect us. But um, I did. I don't know what he's done. Is it dislocated shoulder or something? Apparently, he's going to be out for weeks rather than months, which is, I suppose is a good thing. But um, it's not ideal when you spend all that money on a player and then he only has like four or five games and then misses one. Mm. So and then comes back for a few more. I think it's the second time he's done his shoulder this season. I think he did it at Southampton. I think he had a similar injury. So something's going on, but yeah, incredibly frustrating. But thankfully, if Suchet can keep up his form, it shouldn't affect us too much moving forward because obviously we've got some some more some more big games coming up. Quite, quite. We have. I, I mean, I I was at that training session at, at London Stadium on Monday. Lucas Paqueta, Declan Rice. And uh, Naya Fagued didn't take part in that session. Gianluca Scamacca and Aaron Cresswell um, came out a little bit later and trained separately to the rest of the main group. Kurt Zuma as well also trained alone, um, separate even and to those two. But yeah, Lucas Paqueta and Aguerd didn't even come out <clears throat> on the pitch, nor did nor did Declan Rice, which was which was intriguing. Um it's one of those it's one of those things, really, isn't it? Where I, I don't know. I was actually quite pleased to see Suchek come on and put in 
just a, a decent performance. I think it'll be one that might get his confidence back. I appreciate what you mean about about on the ball, but quite honestly, the way West Ham were getting played through before that, um, and that the Chelsea had a lot of you know dominating the ball in midfield, and I appreciate it was more the wide areas, but you know, Paqueta's is fair to say his sort of main mm, talent, skill, whatever, isn't shutting down and getting about and breaking play up, is it? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think you're right on Suchet's confidence. Like he's been out he's been lacking confidence for months now. Mm. Uh, stretching as far as back as maybe, you know, towards the end of last season, you could see he was he wasn't the same same player that we were used to seeing. But you know, when just before they ruled out his goal, um they zoomed in on him celebrating and the relief on his face, it was as if like like it's as if like he just desperately needed a bit of good fortune, a, a goal or something go his way for him just to really kind of shake off that negativity that's been around him for a while. Um, so it's so annoying that they ruled it out because mm. like, just like, if you just saw his face, he was just like, thank God for that. Like, I've got that out of the way now. I can mm. move forward. Um, but yeah, it was a good performance from him. Um, just hopefully he continues that moving forward. What? Sorry, you're saying about the goal? The goal that he scored that was then ruled yeah, out. Yeah, right. Fine. The one where I was um, waving at the Chelsea fans. Yeah, and it's just like, uh, like he, he had a, like that could have really changed him. Mm. I mean, he looks like he's getting a bit more confident now, anyway. But the relief on his face, like he bet, like he went to celebrate and then kind of slowed down and kind of just like you can see, just see the weight lift off his shoulders for a moment. Mm. Um, yeah, either that, and then, or and then the lift from his shoulders, he knew it was going to be offside. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then and then as soon as he ruled off, you just see it all go back on again. And he's just like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, but yeah, no, he looks a lot more confident. He looks a lot like his old self. Um, and if Paquetta's out for a few weeks, then we're going to need that because mm. you know, with before Paquetta started hitting a bit of form, it was getting a bit. That was when we were in you know really terrible form as a team. Mm. So we need him to be on on point so that we can continue this run of run of good good results. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Um, what did you what did you make of then the the overall performance and like the goal the goals that went in? And Chelsea's goals obviously annoying. Um, I genuinely thought you couldn't really criticise anyone. I thought everyone put in a very a decent shift. I thought Antonio was good up front. I thought Jared Bowen looked a lot better on on the wing. He was a lot more decisive, causing Chelsea a few problems. They were panicking whenever he got on the ball. I thought Vladimir Soufal played really, really well at wing-back. Emerson as well. I think he's starting to come in his own. Moisey said that on Monday, um, that the last couple of games he, he's played really well. Um, and, yeah, I thought the wing-back system worked generally as, as the game grew on. And it was one of them. I thought everyone... like. No one was less than a seven out of ten, you know. Completely agree. I think you, you named two of them there. The two that I I pick out would, would be Soufal and Emerson. Yeah, uh, Soufal. It was like watching Soufal that just signed for the club. Yeah. Um. Again, similar to Suchek, not seen that for a long, long time. Mm. Um. And then Emerson it took him a little bit of time, but for me, he was man of the match. I know he got a mm. goal. Um. Jermaine Genus on commentary gave it to Enzo, Enzo Fernandez naturally, just because he had more of the ball. I mean. Um, just doesn't make anyone man of the matches because you see more of the ball. Um, mm. But Emerson was man of the match for me. He was the best best player out of the two teams on the pitch. Um, take his goal out of it, and he was still still had a really really good game. I thought so. Um, it's good to see that because there were question marks over 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 him when he first signed. 
first three or four appearances, everyone was like, no, it's a bit, maybe a little bit too average. But he's coming good. Um, and he showed signs against Newcastle as well. So it's good that he's built on that and had a good performance again against Chelsea. So those two in particular um, were good. Antonio, yeah, busy up front, um, causing a few issues with... Um, yeah. Uh, was it, was it Mad, Maduweki at the back? Maduweki, yeah, yeah. Um, had a bit of a battle with him, which is good. But um, well, he held the ball up really well throughout as well. He held the ball up well. Sorry, it's not, um, no, Maduweki's the winger. It's Badia Shiel. Uh, oh, Badia Shiel, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I genuinely thought, I th- you know, it's a difficult position sometimes, isn't it? But I thought he held the ball up really well, brought Bowen into play quite a few times, which I liked. Um, yeah, and I just thought he, he, he was, it was a decent, he earned his money, that's for sure. Well, that's that's the thing because so many times he's he's played that role where we've we've been up against a a big side, so he's expecting to be isolated. Um, mm. But then he's almost kind of just run about knowing that he's isolated and kind of not really trying to get the ball, and he's kind of been a little bit useless up there. Um, whereas against Chelsea, it was the opposite. He was you know making himself available, even though he was isolated. You know dropping deep if you needed to, holding the ball up well, bringing other players into play. And that's, that's what we want from Antonio every single game. Mm. Um, and we don't get it from him every single game. But um, yeah, he was he was brilliant. I thought he was really good. And um, I probably would have maybe switched to wings a little bit earlier than Moyes did. Yeah. Just to give something a little bit different up there because you know it was getting to the point where we Chelsea were coming onto us a little bit in those last 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah. You need something different on a counter-attack. Um, Antonio is absolutely shattered normally is after about 10 minutes anyway um, and just like right get for some fresh legs on up front and yeah. try and get on the counter but um, all in all every single player bang on I thought mm. very very good um, just just really gutting to lose Aguerd again um, yeah like for me that's a bigger loss than obviously it is it's a bigger loss than Paqueta 100% mm. like the, yeah Ever since he's come back from injury and been in the team, that's when we've started hitting some good form and only conceding, what, two in six games in all competitions. Have we got uh, any updates on either of those two yet, have we? I think both of them. I, I read somewhere yesterday that they're both out for weeks rather than months, which is which is good. But, mm. um, yeah, it's just mad, isn't it? Three most expensive players that we bought in the summer, Aguerd, Skamaka and Paquetta, all injured. Yeah. It's like, as your luck. Mm. Yeah, no, I totally agree, mate. I totally agree. Maybe it's, you know, just getting up to speed with the pace of the Premier League or or whatever it is. There might be a bit of that. You hope they grow into themselves in a little while. It's, it's an odd one, James, isn't it? It's West Ham up to 16th now. Um, you know, I'll say up nice to. Nice territory, that, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, we were 15th, I think, after the game before Wolves' win. Um, so, they, you know, two points two points above the relegation zone and, and frankly, we're only five points off the bottom. Obviously, if Southampton get five more points all season, I'll be absolutely stunned. Uh, Everton on the up leads look in trouble and you're sort of, you know, as far as the relegation zone now, as it stands right now, you'd probably say it's going to be Southampton, Bournemouth, Leeds, who do drop. Um, huge game for West Ham coming up on Sunday, which we'll talk about. But what... It's one of those, the results, obviously the wins we've got in the last four games, unbeaten in four since that Wolves defeat, which is the only defeat we've had this season. Um, Because the two wins were in the, obviously we beat Everton in the league, but then you had the the FA Cup victories have been thrown in there as well. You beat Brentford away, but then Derby away after that. So 
it's one of them. The, the table doesn't look spectacularly better, but the turnaround in performances has been huge, hasn't it? And I want to... I'm assuming you're going to say yes to that. And then I want to hear your brief thoughts before we move on to the opposition view about where you think it leaves Moisey, given that we had on this podcast begrudgingly come round to the mindset, especially it was after that Wolves win, basically, and we haven't lost since then, of us going, maybe it's time for a change. Once again, obviously, we know Moisey listened, so perhaps it was us saying that we think it's time for a change that finally made him go, oh, Jesus, he is serious. Yeah, yeah, maybe we did sort of give him a kick up the backside that he needed. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look much better from a league position point of view than it did before that Wolves game or after that Wolves game. Yeah. Um, but I think just the the level of performances have drastically improved. Um, Flynn Downs has even come out, and I mean, he probably probably would do given that he's a player that would come out and say anything negative but hmm. he recently said that um, you know just the general feeling and atmosphere within the dressing room has massively changed over the last few weeks it's a much more positive yeah. place to be yeah um, so that's encouraging so yeah okay we're still 16th and only a couple of points off the bottom bottom three and um, we've got to take a lot of um, a lot of positivity from the fact that Samson sacked their manager uh, and they're going to replace him with the very manager that Leeds sacked because they were in relegation trouble. So, I mean, that's only a good sign that Southampton aren't really going to probably get out of it, given that they've gone mm. for the manager that was sacked by a relegation rival in Jesse Marsh, um, mm. who I, I don't mind Jesse Marsh, but um, there's a reason he was sacked by Leeds um, and Southampton are going to bring him in. I don't know, mate. I would I mean, genuinely... They... I, I think that was a bit of a short-sighted decision, that. What, uh Sack Jesse Marsh. Yeah, I know. Maybe. I wanted uh, my main man Jones to stick in the hot seat a little bit longer just because he was fat. He was just comedy gold, wasn't he? He wasn't doing much for the Jones brand, though, was he? No. To be fair, every time I watched it, I was like, oh, mate, can you change your name, mate? Mm. Not really doing much for us here. But definitely. um, Real David Brent style press conferences, which um, big fan of that. but yeah, I think we should take a lot of confidence in that. To be fair, but overall, we're we're improving. Mm. You know, we, we before this run of games, Newcastle away and Chelsea at home, we were like, I think we'll be alright with. We we'll be lucky if we just get one point out of this. Mm. Um, we managed to get two points, two Definitely. very good performances, yeah. um, and we go into a Spurs game, which, which we'll get onto. And Spurs are in complete and utter, utter disarray at the moment, getting battered by Leicester at the weekend. So. Um, yeah, it, it's looking good, even if the, the table still hasn't really drastically improved that much. True. News of a £3.5 billion offer from an Iranian-American businessman uh, in for Spurs this morning, actually, as we're recording that. So um, I'm pretty sure that's not going to be done by the time Sunday comes around. Uh, but hopefully the news of that won't buoy their supporters too much. Um, or their players. But yeah, uh, overall, mate, I just think, look, I, I'll go into it quickly now before we move on. But that that's the thing we went to on, on Monday. Big thanks to Betway, by the way, for the invite to that, our um, charity partners on the We Are West Ham podcast. And, you know, bearing in mind that 
um obviously the game was saturday so it was like an open open session thing um load of the players come over took my, my friend's little boy and load of the, all the players were great took time to sign autographs to pose for pictures all that sort of stuff which was uh, which was great stuff and a, a really good thing from the club but um, had a like a Q&A sort of session with Mark Warburton and David Moyes um, like after that, basically. And uh, Moyes, was, honestly, after that, James, that he genuinely like he genuinely likes being at West Ham. And I think the stuff he's saying was, you know, along the lines of, and what, the thing I was most interested about was he was saying, you know, it's difficult to settle new players into, you know, teams sometimes, or often that's the case. No matter how much they cost, no matter where they've come from, it's a new league, new teammates, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's not as blase. You're dealing with human beings um, that he's bringing into the club, so it is difficult to ingratiate them. But the point he was sort of, you know, he almost laboured on and, and felt that... He, it was more of a big deal for him to get the point across to to those fans who the, the were in the room lucky enough to, to be listening to him firsthand. He was saying, you know, I've also re, uh, reinforced to the players that have been here and done so well for me for the last couple of years. And he said, his, these are his words, he, and I, I said to them, I hope you're still as hungry as you once were because, you know, it's that hunger that you need for those success levels to stay. I hope you haven't just sort of enjoyed yourself the last couple of years and thought, oh, that was actually all right. That was pretty easy and started settling in and becoming a bit complacent. Um, and and you could tell just by his demeanour and the way he delivered statements like that, that that was more, had been more of a concern for him this season than the fact that, you know, some of these new players, um, that he was, you know, that it was a struggle to... To blend them in, obviously, been pretty unlucky with injuries to them as well. But I think the, that is the point he was making. And Jared Bowen said the same when he came on stage, and just said that you know, although there is a, there we are trying slightly to change the brand um, as far as the football, the quality of the football, and all that sort of stuff. He said you can't go too far from what's given you success the last couple of seasons, and it's up to those players that have been there through all that to keep on delivering and help, you know, find the right blend and help the new guys to to adopt that system almost. And and I think that's really rung true. But I, I, I sort of don't regret me and you saying that it was it was time for Moisey to go because I genuinely think it's okay for people to have got that sense then. I also think it's quite surprising to most people that from that real low point after the Wolves defeat, we've gone unbeaten in four. I think that's fair to say. And I think it's also okay to change and say, all right, well, fair play to Moisey. I didn't think you were going to turn it round, as neither did loads of people, which is why we begrudgingly said, you know, I, I think it's time for a change. But he has done, which is brilliant. And I think it's that improvement in some of those players that we've had the last couple of seasons. That is what we need, isn't it? Although it's easy for people to look at the big money signings. What we need, if we're going to have a good rest of the season, is for the players that have been there for a few seasons now to step up to the plate once again and deliver like they have before. And they're the ones we're going to rely on and they're the ones who will make the difference this year. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like hearing 
you say all that is encouraging that you know things are only going to continue to to improve um interesting what you said about him saying to the players about hunger and stuff like that i think we generally didn't see that towards well earlier on in the season it didn't feel like they had that same hunger so maybe it's just giving him a little bit of a, a reminder that you know if you keep that level of hunger then you know you get back to the levels that you were getting over the last two years and maybe that the pennies dropped a little bit Hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I was under the impression, particularly during the summer, or I felt like bringing in some of these big name players for a lot of money might, you know, keep the pressure on some of those players that have performed maybe above their main or their or their sort of average level. Yeah, yeah. Um, to keep going, give that sort of you know healthy competition. We always talk about competition for places. I thought, hmm. right, we're bringing in a few players here that are going to give some of these other players that have played really well. A little bit of food for thought, a little bit, and go. You know, my, my position here. Yeah, okay, I've done well for two years. My position here isn't isn't guaranteed anymore because I've got, you know, Brazil starting number eight. Beyond. Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I've got you know, Italy starting number nine, arriving for for big money. Um, so, so yeah, I think a lot of those players, and then these players get injured, and then suddenly maybe a little bit like, well, he's out for three or four months, so it doesn't matter. Mm. I'm just here a little bit, but. Um, it's good that they've. It does seem as though that's worked from David Moyes. Um, and yeah, you're right about. You know, we were. I think we were. We were well within our rights to start questioning his position. Hmm. Um, thankfully, he's. He seems to have turned it around. Obviously, we're not out of the woods just yet. But the signs are there that yeah, he has turned us around. He has found a way of of getting us back up to similar levels that we we've been. The last two games has been very similar to watching us. That it was the same West Ham we've seen over the last two years, yeah. especially that Newcastle game. So, so yeah, no, I don't, uh, I don't uh, get, absolutely. He's not, he's not going to get sacked now. Um, no, but you know we've just got to see a continuation of the form that we've seen over the last four to six games. That's all, that's all yeah. we can ask for. And if we do that, yeah, then so you know he'll be in charge next season, won't he? Yeah, Tottenham away Sunday, not in the forest at home in the Premier League. Uh, caps off February. Those are our next two games, the forest games, Saturday the 25th. Uh, and then you've got United away in the FA Cup, uh, Brighton away. You, know, you, you sense two defeats from those because obviously it's Brighton. And then Aston Villa at home, which becomes a, a huge game. Man City away and then Southampton at home and Fulham away kick off April. I mean, there's some winnable games in there, Jonesy, but there's some sort of, there isn't really many in-between games, if that makes sense, between now and the end of the season. You've got like Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United, and then Leeds, Leicester, Brentford, Palace, Bournemouth, Fulham, Southampton, Villa. Do you know what I mean? It's like there isn't really too many in there. Where fans are going to go, oh yeah, draws are right there. Like you know, maybe maybe mm. the Fulham game, Fulham are playing quite well. Uh, maybe the Leicester game, but they're not playing brilliant. The rest of them, it's like they're the sort of teams where fans go, oh, should be beating him, should be beating him, should be beating him. But then obviously there are going to be defeats in there to the to the big teams. You'd assume, given Moisey's record, um, so it does put a bit more pressure on those on those smaller games but you know I, I certainly I certainly think we'll be alright and I think we could be having a totally different obviously the, the conference league is going to kick in their draw for that's on the 24th for this month I believe and then those fixtures kick off in March so it's going to start getting a little bit busy I think it's important you know if we manage to get a point at Tottenham on Sunday I think that'd be a fantastic result then we need to beat Forest 
And if we manage to get a win at that Villa game, assuming we lose at Brighton, as we always do, then you sort of feel in a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more comfortable, would be a bit further up the league. But it's, like you say, certainly not uh, out of the water. But whatever happens in the next two to three games, I think could uh, could have a big bearing on Moisey's mid to long term future but I certainly uh, feel comfortable <clears throat> with uh, with the team in his hands for the foreseeable future anyway stay with us because that Tottenham game on Sunday huge fixture one that all West Ham fans look for at the beginning of the season away to Tottenham kicks off at half past four on Sunday afternoon I'm going along and as is our next guest I assume so Tottenham Opposition View before some final thoughts from me and Jonesy coming up next. So I'm delighted to say that joining us yet again on the We Are West Ham podcast is friend of the show, friend of mine, and just one of those blokes who you don't understand how such a kind, friendly, professional person who's generous with his time Became mm. a Tottenham fan. It's Paul Coyt, Talk Sport, GB News, broadcasting extraordinaire, Mr. Tottenham, half-time announcer, interviewer, just Mr. Spurs, basically. And you're very nice, Paul. You uh, you don't do much for the... Uh, well, you do loads of things good for the Tottenham fan brand, but it's just not in keeping with the rest of them in my, in my finding, you know? so wrong. You are so wrong. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I mean, you've probably got lots and lots of... The thing is, you... I have loads. You fear... You fear Spurs, and that's the thing: is that you you want to hate us, but really you love us and admire us. But you, you're putting the front on for this podcast. <laughs> I understand what you're doing, Will. But, uh, I know what's going on. I know what's going it's on. It's just it's a very disconcerting feeling liking so many Tottenham fans. You know, what I mean, I think it's the fear yeah, that yeah. I just so easily could have been one. Do you know what I mean? It could it have. We're all from the same neck of the woods, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. So could it have actually happened? How I know this is your podcast, but how did you become a West Ham fan then? What went wrong? Uh, oh, there? just well, it's, it's a it's a hereditary <laughs> condition. That's what it <laughs> is. Of, yeah, Same with all yeah, of us. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Passed down by my dad. Um, one of my best mates support managed to somehow escape and supports Liverpool despite his dad being a hammer. There's obviously right. a load of stick that comes with that. But yeah, lots and lots of my friends growing See, up in Essex and Tottenham fans that's as the well. Because where I grew up in, in Essex, and, and I'm a little bit older than you, and it was all it was West Ham, uh, it was Spurs. And it was Liverpool because Liverpool were so good at the time because you always get the glory hunters. There were no Chelsea fans around then because they were no good in those days. They weren't around. And now there's more of those. Uh, but it was, it was all, it was all Spurs and West Ham. It was one thing. Quite, quite. It's quite. In well, look, so what can you Paul, do? Paul, you're very, very generous with your time. I just uh, appreciate you giving us your time as always, particularly tonight. Always a pleasure. Last, last minute job. Talk a bit to me about Tottenham then. An unfortunate defeat uh, in Milan last night. 1-0. The tie far from over Brahim Diaz with the early goal. Fifth in the league. Yep. But for some strange reason, there seems to be... You're, you, you're doing okay, it seems. But there seems to be this odd feeling and attitude around the club at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's. I think it's. it's the uncertainty and it's... Are we as good as we should be? I think this is what a lot of fans are saying. But you know, if we look at what happened over in Milan, 
it was it was you know we, we've played better. We've got injuries, of course. Um, Hugo Lloris is out, so and also we got um, Fraser Forster. We're looking for a third goalkeeper, so I don't know if Thomas Suchek is available uh, on a free maybe <laughs> to look. But uh, okay, it was cheap, and I'm sorry, but uh, but, but uh, so so it's where we are at the moment. Is I, I think everybody's very calm about it. I'm and quite happy to go back to. Go back to the Spurs Stadium in March and then and be one nil down. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, you always want your your oh, your second leg always to be at home. So so I think you know it, it's calm. It's okay. You know, one nil is fine, and uh, the result was okay. So I, I don't think anybody's too yeah. upset about it. No, I think Antonio would probably be. You no, know, and most Spurs fans, you go, boy, still in it. It's half time, being one yeah, nil down, taking it back to Spurs. Bit of an old cliche in two legged football, but yeah, Reesby positive mm. position, fifth in the league. At the moment, yeah. again, James was tell, uh, talking to me earlier on uh, on the podcast, just saying, "It's oh, you, you never know with Tottenham. There seems to be this sort of negative um, talk around the club. That seems to be the general mm. rhetoric is is slightly, I don't know, negative and moany. But then out of nowhere, you'll, you'll turn up, beat Manchester City or put on an outstanding performance. That's you know, what's been uh, like being a Spurs fan since I was a kid. It's always been the same. You yeah. never know. You could win five nil. You could lose five nil. You don't know. Um, there's you have the the greatest performance, which you know happens every year. We go back to even under Pochettino when we were doing amazing. Then we go away and lose at Newcastle five one on the last game of the season. Yeah. Or things are looking terrible, and then we go and beat Arsenal and Chelsea straight after that. After we get knocked out by Portsmouth. Uh, in the semi-final of the FA Cup, we go and beat Manchester City. Last year, we lose at Burnley. We beat Man City, and then we go and have a horror show at Leicester. You just don't know what you're going to get. So, obviously, you're hoping that you get the side that played Leicester, not the side that yeah, played Man City, course. aren't you? Whereas yeah, we know exactly. that with you lot, we're going to get the probably the 1975 <laughs> Cup-winning team. So, you know, we'll just have to see how we go. Or the 1970s Brazil team, as I think you once described us whenever we yes. play against Tottenham. Yes, okay, yeah, okay. Maybe I only so, did it that day, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and it is like that, isn't it? It's just peculiar. You've got some great players. Do you, I mean, look, you'll, you'll forgive me for asking you this question, which can often be criticised as ill thought out. Right. Uh, and okay. it is one, it's just sort of general trope. I'm sure you know what's coming. But the Antonio Conte situation. through. Obviously, his answers are always different, should we say. You know, he's not the run-of-the-mill, media-trained, yep. um, boring sort of type that you sometimes get from Premier League managers. He does yep. sometimes come out with these cryptic answers in press conferences that don't mm -hmm. perhaps do himself any favours as far as Tottenham fans being certain he's sticking around. What do you make of that situation? Do you think it has as much of an impact as some parts of the media will have you believe? Well, I, I think of... Bob Dylan songs. Now, I don't know where you think, where on earth is he going to go by saying this? <laughs> yeah. Bob Dylan songs. So Bob Dylan would write this amazing poetry, uh, but sometimes he would just write words and you would get, music critics would go, Bob, when you wrote that, are you looking at the Vietnam War? Are you talking about what's going on in the deep south of America? Are you talking about the rise of communism in South America? What, what is it? And he's going, no, nah, they're just words. And I think a lot of that sometimes can go with Antonio Conte. I'm not going to call him Bob Dylan, but everybody looks for these cryptic answers. They think he's trying to say it in riddles. He's trying to say one thing or the other. And if he says it, 
To be honest with you, I think a lot of it, you just take it at face value instead of looking for clues and looking for this and looking for that. You know, we can all worry about that all day and go, oh, yeah, well, he said uh, he, he didn't think the confidence, you know, that the players had the right attitude and that maybe they lost their confidence. And they said, what do they mean by that? Does that mean he's going to be going? Or I think he just speaks when he's asked mm. a question. He wears his heart on his sleeve. Like you say, some people like it, some people don't. I, I want to hear a manager that says what he thinks because it's great entertainment and you don't want to be thinking, what do they really mean? And I think no. it's as simple as that. I think we all look far too deep uh, into what he says. There is going to be some things that are lost in translation as well, whereas maybe he doesn't mean it to come out the way he does. But I think we look a lot deeper and think there's a lot more going on than maybe there really is. Yeah, I, I quite agree. I sort of, I think it's quite refreshing as well. And it's it, when you actually listen to what he says, he basically goes, "Yeah, we'll see at the end of the season." It, in yeah. the football management game, you know, if it's if it's he knows as well as everyone that seven or eight bad results and he's getting sacked anyway, like so many other managers. Like anyone, yeah, of course. Yeah, when he says, "Oh, we'll have a at the, we'll have a see at the end of the season," it's almost like mm. anything shy of one hundred percent. I want to stay at Tottenham forever mm. is then construed as. Ah, oh, that's it. He wants to leave. There's uncertainty at the club. Ah, oh, it's a nightmare. What direction are we mm. going? Et cetera, et cetera. When the fact of the matter is, being a football manager, we've seen with Nathan Jones, all 100%. the stuff David Moyes has done at West Ham mm. over the last couple of years, doesn't matter. He, he was still being talked about as the next casualty only a few games ago. And, you know, we, we were doing the same thing on the podcast. So, yeah, I quite agree. Look, Paul, before we get onto the game, I must ask you, you, you know, you're a uh, a well-known face anyway, but your interview, you spoke to Harry Kane after he yes. broke Jimmy Greaves. And what a fantastic achievement that was. Talk to oh. me first of all about what an achievement it is and what it was like for you interviewing Harry. That video went viral. It was absolutely sensational. I expect nothing less from you. But talk to Bless me you. about um, Harry and it, the uh, you know getting to interview the great man straight afterwards. Well, they said you want to stay. I said, well, I don't know. I don't know where to get away well, early, maybe, or, you know, because the thing is, I was going to get stuck in traffic. So I thought I might as well stick around. No, I mean, it was, it was an incredible thing. It was, it was something we, we'd thought about for a while. And it's like, well, uh, what are we going to do when he breaks the record? So then word came from the club and said, well, you know, you can do the interview on the pitch afterwards. And it was like, wow. I mean, that was incredible because we've never done that. I don't never no. interviewed a player. Um, straight after a game, especially in front of the crowd as well. So then it's like, well, we need to probably get a result because how's Harry mm. going to feel? How's everybody going to feel? Because, you know, if you get a tonking, you, everybody's going to go. It, it just, it, you know, everything, all the stars aligned, Will, and it, and it just worked out fine. So we knew the sky had to do their bit. And then I waited then and they said, okay, go and stand on the pitch. And it's something, you know, you never take for granted. You stand there looking around and just thinking, wow. Yeah. Then there's Harry and, and, I've known Harry from from when he had his debut. And he, he, I used to interview him all the time around of the match. I've been away from Spurs. And when I came back and I saw him in the tunnel when he was the first to say, you know, welcome back and stuff like that. So I've known Harry. But then it was just, it was quite surreal. But then when I, I don't know whether you have the same thing, you know, when you interview people, but then I'm just speaking to him and yeah. forget. You know, I, I, yeah, of course there's crowd, you get crowd and you react to that and say, well, I'm sure there's other people, you know, and we, we refer to that. But the thought that, you know, I've got a friend who was watching it in America, which was live on NBC, and the fact that it was everywhere, you don't, you don't even take it yeah. in because if you think, how right. many people are watching the next question you're going to ask around the world, <laughs> you'd like crumble. So yeah. it was, it was just, it was an, it just stupid as it sounds, it was a nice chat and it was nice yeah. to be able to, 
recognise that moment. And I know there's, you know, West Ham fans that will be watching there, I suppose. But you can't fail to admire Harry Kane, I think. I think how I think he's just a he's a model professional. He's a very decent guy as well. So um, no, it was a it was a real honor, a huge honor to be able to do that. Incredible. Yeah, quite the quite the achievement, Paul. And now that you know, it's very similar to how I feel when you come on the podcast. You know, when you're in the presence, I am of greatness, sure. yeah, you yeah. can't you can't let <laughs> let the pressure yeah, yeah. get to me too much. I understand that. I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Look, Paul. I said, you're I a think silly you man. Minutes. It's been ten minutes and fifty nine seconds. So just tell me very briefly what you think about the game at Tottenham on Sunday. How's it going to go, star wise? What's the score going to be? And we oh, will just assume this. that we've done our usual tomfoolery back and forward mind game. Okay, all, all it's, we know go. what it's going to be yeah. is that we're going to go out and thinking, okay, yeah, I think it looks fine. And then you'll you, the claret and blue will turn to yellow and green, the blue shorts and the white socks. <laughs> and then it'll be just the most unbelievable game of football that we've ever seen. You will be just thinking, what on earth has hit us? And, um, and then we'll end up uh, beating you 3-0. So, we'll, you know, I tell you what, Will. I'm never ever going to predict it. I won't predict it because I just can't. And it's mm. it's it's always a roller coaster ride, isn't it? We never know how it's going to go. I th- think we'll sneak it, but I just don't want to yeah, see you. So do I. It makes me. It makes me mad. You know what? It makes me more mad for you to be able to go. Where on earth has this been all season? For crying out loud! You know, I was yeah. I, I was there at your place. I was at the London Stadium and and, and and thinking, there they go again. They're doing it again. They do it, and you deserve to win that game. There was no question. You deserve to win that game. So. Um, yeah. I just got my fingers crossed that um, you're just going to play like you have in a lot of games this season. Yeah, Not turn up yeah, for yeah. us, but I know different because it always is different. It's of course, different. yeah. We, see, we we do seem to have got a bit more additional steeliness in the past few weeks. Moises had yeah, that is true. Yeah, that, that revolution. is true. Yeah, we've, we've done well against Chelsea and Tottenham. I don't expect it to be a goal fest, quite frankly. Um, I, would, I would back the, the less than two and a half goals. I'd, I'd, I've got a feeling we might sneak it. But again, you know, <laughs> three one winners. There's no, there's absolutely no uh, surprise in my eyes either. Look, but listen, Paul, really nobody cheered, you. nobody cheered louder than I did when Thomas Suchek made that save. I swear. <laughs> so you know what? Oh, I'll be watching his hands. We'll be watching his hands this time, very, absolutely. very closely, Mister. Yeah, well, it'll be. Uh, He's better than be Mervyn Day, though, isn't he? He's better than Mervyn Day. I think. And uh, I, yeah. I was up at the stadium, and Alan McKnight was giving a speech the other day. Uh, yeah. Colloquially termed Alan McNightmare when he was playing. He's certainly better than him, as well. But um, <laughs> look, oh, I really appreciate you giving me your time tonight. It's uh, any time, well, or any time. The We Are West Ham podcast. That's West Ham against Tottenham. Four thirty kickoff Sunday afternoon at Tottenham. I'll be there, Paul, and I'm behind enemy lines actually, as I think you were last. Oh, time are you? London. I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm behind I'll, posh I'll... enemy lines though, in in the comfortable seats with the nice dinner beforehand. So, oh, okay. Um, See, that's the worst yeah. ones when you cheer. They're the ones you got to look out for. So you be careful. Yeah, no. there's cutlery around. <laughs> and also, I may be pointing. I say, look. Uh, by the way, happy birthday, birthdays. We've got a halftime guest. Yeah, there's someone else I'd like to introduce. Sit in the comfy seats there the, the one with the spurs badge on he's a spy don't trust him exactly that yeah well i might bump into you if i don't enjoy the game mate thanks again for coming on the podcast paul coit there mr Cheers, tottenham talk sport gb news broadcasting extraordinaire thanks very much looking ahead to that game on sunday at tottenham stadium stay with us because you have some final thoughts with me and jonesy next Well, there we have it, Jonesy, opposition view, ahead of that game 
at Tottenham Hotspur on Sunday. A mouth-watering clash, even, um, that I always look forward to at the beginning of each and every season. I'm really looking forward to getting up to the game on Sunday. Shout out to my sister, by the way, who's um, sorted out the tickets for that. Doesn't do me, hasn't got a history of doing me loads of favours in my life, quite honestly, having a younger sister. But uh, finally coming up, Trump's with the goods for the game on Sunday. So I'm very much looking forward to that one. What are your thoughts? Are you feeling ahead of the game? Uh, fancy us? How do you think it's going to play out? What's the score prediction going to be? I mean, I do, I do fancy us to take something away from it, um, particularly if the form of both sides continues true to form. Um, see, Spurs are having a bit of a mare at the moment. Um, I do hope that Pedro Porro plays because he looks like an absolute uh, worldie um, on his debut against Leicester. Absolute mare of a debut. So um, hopefully he plays because he looks rubbish. Um, but yeah, I, I think we can take take something take something from it. I think if you know they're clearly not in good form, not in a good place. You know, I've spoken to a couple of Spurs fans earlier and. They feel like the dip in form is um, linked to the fact that Conte knows he's not going to be around for much longer. So, um, and that's the general it's feeling. It's always been like that. Yeah, but there's, apparently they feel like the general feeling around the club and the players is that he's not going to be around. So, some of the players have kind of just stopped playing for him. Which, right. um, you know, hopefully he's in a job for at least another four or five days. And it yeah. continues. But... Um, yeah, I, I think we, if we can build on those two performances against Newcastle and Chelsea in particular, then we can go to Spurs and, and take something. Mm. The, only, yeah. the only flip side is that we know that Spurs are, are good at just randomly turning up and, you know, they could be on a run of a real bad run and they'll just turn up like they did recently and beat Man City at home. And it's just mm. like, right, okay. Um, so that is a danger and that's a little bit of a worry. But, you know, you can never really call these games West Ham Spurs. Um, we always we always give them a good game, so um, yeah, I'll be happy with a point. Yeah, um, but something's telling me we're going to take all three. Something's telling me we're going to do it. Yeah, I like your yeah. style, mate. I like yeah. your style. I'm, I'm with you. I think three points from Newcastle, Chelsea, and the Tottenham game would be absolutely brilliant. A return of five from those games would be staggering. What's uh, what are you saying score wise? Then I'm gonna. In stark contrast to the way I've been over the last three weeks or so, but I'm gonna be really positive and say we're gonna we're gonna nick it one nil. Nick it one nil. Goodness me, who's scoring? Um, Jared Bowen. Jared Bowen one nil. Yeah, not bad. He uh, scored that game that me and you went to and hid behind enemy lines at Tottenham in the League Cup. Then he scored. Yeah. Um, yeah, all right, mate. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, what, who do you think is going to play then? Do you think it'll be five at the back again? I think it'll go five at the back. It works, works well. I'm not a big fan of it, but it's worked well the last two games against stronger opposition. Yeah. Um, so uh, he, I can't see him changing that. Um, and my only concern is can we play it without Aguerd? I think Aguerd make, uh, makes that five at the back work a little bit with his. Um, with his Ability to be play play with the ball at his feet, but mm. um, yeah, I think I don't think he'll change the formation. the The message will be the exact same, but just be a couple of couple of changes to replace Aguero and Paqueta. Yeah, well, we'll see, we'll see. Man. I, yeah, I, I think it'll be the same formation, like you say. I think it'll be his usual pragmatic approach to games away from home at big six sides. Certainly, the 
yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, everyone played well, didn't they? She, there's no cause for dropping people, really. Um, mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to to agree with what you said. And I don't really mind Suchek playing again, as long as he puts in a performance like he did against Chelsea. Um, obviously, I understand he's still sort of got the ump about going in for a pay rise and and or not being given it, basically. I, I heard that recently, that that's sort of why... One of the explanations for for his slightly poor reform, looking for a new deal, and, and West Ham said no. Uh, if that's true, you know, you just sort of easy to say it's not acceptable or whatever, and, and it isn't great. But um, if he can put in another performance like he did at Chelsea on Saturday, no moanings or grumblings from me, that's for sure. Antonio doesn't mind a goal. I'm, I'm never ever. Uh, what's it called? Guessing Mikel Antonio to score a goal for West Ham again, though, because <laughs> I genuinely don't think he ever will. But uh, yeah, no, nah, all, all in all, reasonably good stuff. I see a low scorer coming in, so for, uh, rather than you know what, for the we both guessed one nil last week, so I'm one a bit yeah, we, so, no, we both guessed one nil, didn't we? I think, we both I, said... I, I think I guessed one all, I think I got it right again. Did you? So did I, I, I then. Because I, I just copied you last week. I thought we both said that West Ham were going to win it, though. I think we both got it right for Newcastle. Um, yeah, we did. That was the logic. We both guessed 1-0 for Newcastle and got it right. And then you went, oh, 1-0 for Chelsea. So I just said, I'll say the same in the hope that we manifest it. <laughs> it didn't quite happen. So I'm going to uh, assume that that little bit of hoodoo has been broken by last week's result. And I'm going to say 1-0, a hat-trick of 1-0s, which, to be quite honest, I, I really wouldn't mind as long as we put in another good performance. Um, that's Tottenham on Sunday. That's it for another show. Jonesy, you got any final thoughts before we leave and say goodbye for another week? No, nothing pressing, mate. Um, just, uh, yeah, it's just nice to be, have more positive West Ham chat after yeah, uh, the opening four or five months of the season. So, um, yeah, yeah I'll continue. Enjoyable to be enjoying the podcast again. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. One thing I would notice, so I saw Emerson uh, up close and personal uh, the on Monday morning at that training session, and this hugely controversial statement I'm about to make, I think he's better looking than Gianluca Scamacca. No, come on. He is really handsome close yeah, up. I mean, he's a good looking bloke, yeah, I think. But no, Scamacca's head and shoulders. Mate, honestly... I mean, he literally is head and shoulders above him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and head and shoulders above me. But no, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure, mate. I, I think Emerson for the uh, title of West Ham's best looking man. Um, but yeah, once again, thanks to Betway for the invite on Monday. That was an excellent day. Really interesting. Did you know as well, one thing to sign off with, Jonesy, Mark Warburton, the assistant manager, is worth £35 million because he used to he used to be in banking. Like he used to be like a big time city banker, and he like did. He worked all over the world, did coaching alongside, um, like alongside his banking jobs, and then basically like eventually switched over. And obviously, yes. then he's, he's managed at Rangers, QPR. Um, I can't remember the other side. He's got, and he's got a net worth of thirty five million. He's worth thirty five million quid. I heard the other day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he was talking about, like before, he was talking about being in the city. It's very, very interesting indeed, and I did not know it. Um, So, yeah, he's obviously coming to replace Stuart Pearce, but, yeah, intriguing stuff. Uh, Anyway, that's it. We're on the run of good form. 
uh, West Ham United at the moment. It's a massive game on Sunday, regardless of what the league's telling you. The old form goes out the window. Clichés one pedaled all the time. I'm surprised James Jones hasn't wheeled it out on this week's podcast, but he swerved it for now. Tottenham away on Sunday. Massive game for a massive club. That is West Ham United. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Things are looking up. Long live the Messiah. Up the hammers and we'll see you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. Podcast Network.